Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I am the lead pastor of Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morden. I'm the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist. How are you, Tim? I'm doing all right. I, uh, I went grocery shopping today. Oh, that's always a fun experience. And How you know, did it go? It, so, so here's the thing. My kids are so hung up on Frozen 2 okay. that... We have Alexa playing Frozen 2 music constantly in our house. Constantly. And, and as long as we're recording this podcast from the house, it's going to end up being a background music at some point. Uh, just because it's just always going. So every time I go grocery shopping, that the song, uh, the main song from the movie, Into the Unknown, uh, just strikes me and becomes the soundtrack of my grocery shop. <laughs> Into the Unknown. <laughs> Oh. And by grocery shopping, I mean, I drove out to the grocery store and I sat in my car and I called the number and they brought the groceries out to me. And I, Oh, nice. Yeah, we I don't go into the store. Oh, I, I do. Whoa. I like, to, yeah. I like to live on the wild side, Tim. Yeah, you're crazy. I roll the dice each and every hey, you've day. Got, you've, got a, you've got a little girl now. You've got to, you've got to dial it back. All that well, crazy living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess, yeah. No, we've, we've, I've been uh, elected the designated shopper of the family the designated uh, shopper well you you i think the best way is to pick one one spouse to kind of handle all of the you know because candace also works in a in an elder care facility it just kind of makes sense that yeah um, yeah no i, I get that do I, this i get sick i could still podcast with you I can, <laughs> i'm like caught the whole time but you know one uh one of the things that was really interesting is uh just driving around town like i mm. i do that maybe like once every 10 days now and just driving around <laughs> town is like being on vacation being like oh hey look at that oh yeah <laughs> like revisiting you know a place you once lived yeah uh, oh yeah. what a mess but one thing but, that hasn't changed the word of god reading we keep reading yeah we keep oh, reading i was gonna stuff. say the podcast but yours was a better sunday school answer oh nice i do, i get very few i get you very win. few them, you win I'll take, I'll take the points when i get them all right yeah uh, so we are doing days mm. up to day 133. Yeah. All right. So 128 to 133. Uh, mm. Shorter week because we did an extra week last time just to uh, keep from having one story cover uh, two different podcasts. Yeah. So uh, Forrest, just sort of starting off. Uh, I, I, think, I think the forest of this is... Uh, it's going to be a study in the two characters of David. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Uh, when, you, when you read the Psalms, and we were saying this before, but when I read the Psalms, I think every mama wants her baby to grow up to be David. Mm. Look at this guy. This is the shepherd holding the sheep, grown up to be a king. This is a good guy. Mm. He knows God. He knows Jesus. And then you read the histories. Samuels and the Chronicles, and you're like, no, 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 no. This guy <laughs> is brutal. Oh yeah, brutal. Yeah, he is. He is hardcore. Like the the yeah the interesting thing, right? We see David. Um, yeah, we see different pictures of David, right? And and as you were saying, right? There's a there's a contrast in the different Davids that we see, right? Mm -hmm. 
and even in the narrative, right? We're going to see, we're going to see what, what I see as kind of one of David's shining moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, of his kingship and also a very, very low point. Um, so yeah. So who, who is this guy? He's, he's got, uh, he's complex in nature as all yeah. humans are, right? Thousands very, fall at his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's literally killed many people by hand up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that like no one has experienced today. Like that's not a thing that right. anyone does anymore. So um, yeah, it's crazy. Like it, who is, who is King David? Because it's so easy too to kind of take these, you know, Bible characters that we've been familiar with some of us since we were children right. and kind of put this face on them and, and have this kind of, in, this lens in which, okay, this is, this is a David like thing to do. This is the kind of guy that he is. And, and, there's so much more depth to, to, to us mm-hmm. as human beings than that. And so we're going to see a bit of that today. Yeah. You know, that, that's a good point. Cause I, uh, you know, my son's young, he's, he's just getting into this whole superhero thing. I, uh, he, he doesn't watch the movies yet, but he knows them just by their marketing. Uh, and, and when he sees one, he's always coming at me with, is, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to characterize good and bad mm-hmm. right and every once in a while you end up with a character that's more complex yeah right uh you end up with a robin hood yeah and you have to say well who do you would you think he's a good guy or bad guy yeah right yeah. uh and and so that that complexity of character is a difficult thing uh so much so that uh islam writes it out of david's story right Mm-hmm. Yeah, only that's a good true, guy. A, a lot of the prophets from the Bible that show up in the Quran are are only good. Yeah, uh, they don't deal with the complexity of character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So uh, last time we did the history and then went to the Psalms. Uh, your recommendation is that we flip it this time. Yeah, uh, just to get crazy and shake it up. So let's <laughs> shake it up. <laughs> yeah. So so there's there's a lot of Psalms that we read through this week. And, you know, as, as usual, we can't, we can't dive too deep into all of them, but there's a few kind of highlights that we want to hit along the way. And the first one is actually the first Psalm of this week's reading, which is Psalm 25. Yes. And, um, and just to remind everybody, prayer of rep- mm-hmm. just to remind everybody, we, we said 22, 23 and 24 was just a run of incredible Psalms. And now 25 continues that on. Yeah, we forgot 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just such, a, such a, a perfect picture, as you were saying, of a prayer of repentance, what that looks like. Yeah. Right? His, his so, a, go ahead. No, no, no. I just said there, there's, there's, so, there's so much to, um, to this psalm that really um, speaks to the condition of a heart that is grieved over its sin. Before right. Holy, yeah, and and that's what I love about it. In fact, uh, we're starting up. Uh, by the time this airs, it'll already been started. Uh, but this is going to be my text when we talk about a prayer of repentance, uh, just because it's it's a, the quintessential prayer of repentance, right? Mm-hmm. Not only God, I'm sorry, forgive me, but lead me, and I'm under you. Uh, you're the God of my salvation, uh, not trusting in self, but fully trusting in God uh to be your everything. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think I like, I like the aspect of it too, where he's crying out for God to teach him, right? Like in the midst of repentance, we have to understand that like what has driven us to the sin we're repenting for is probably an, an incorrect understanding or an incorrect application of what we already know about God. And mm-hmm. so like we need to learn in order to grow spiritually, right? And so when David falls, he's like, God, teach me your ways, right? Not in just a, a purely intellectual way, but in a, in a profound way, in a way that's more, more than skin deep, that is going to you know, teach his heart so that he doesn't fall uh, for that same trap again, right? Right. Yeah, and that's the thing I think we we forget when we're when we're confessing sin. Be like, not just God, I, I'm sorry I did this. I don't want to do it anymore. But God, teach me and build me up in such a way that I don't do this again. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's we got to take we got to take that step when we're repenting. Yeah, yeah, and and even to the point of like Piper will often get into what is it about God that maybe I'm not believing that is causing me to do this? Right, how what do I need to see in God? Uh, that maybe maybe I'm not believing in his strength. Maybe I'm not believing in his wisdom or his sovereignty, and that's causing me to sin, uh, to take things into my own hands. Uh, but and what I really need is is not just uh, more determination to stop. What I also need maybe is faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's twenty five. Uh, the next psalm you wanted to hit on. Um. I mean, they're all good, but Psalm 36. Yes. Uh, Psalm 36 jumped jumped off the page for me because essentially one of one of my favorite worship songs that we do at Memorial is based off of Psalm 36. It's a uh, third day, your love, O Lord. Um, right. I just Old school it. third day. I love it, man. It's so That's good. It's got the bus with the big peach in the window. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I love that. We, uh, we started playing that song. Uh, only a few years ago, it's a, it's not a new it's not a new song, but we we brought it into the repertoire not too long ago, and it's uh, it, I just love it. I, it's, yeah, everybody's got you know kind of their 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 favorites, especially as a worship leader. Like you got a few songs that you're just like, man, I could just play that every Sunday, and like that for me, that's that's one. I just so I lo- I love this song because I love the song, and I love the song because I love the song. It's just there's a connection there. Yeah, you know what? I think when this is over, I'm gonna go play that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I had the same thing. I, I read this and the song's been in my head all day. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Your righteousness yeah, it, is like the mighty mountains. Yeah. Your judgments are like the great deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just um, how like the, the idea of taking, taking refuge in the shadow of his wings. Like it's just this beautiful, um, beautiful imagery of one who is just, overawed with the majesty and the goodness of God that like, they're just, they're like, what is God like? Well, look around. What's the, what's the biggest, greatest thing that I can see. And that's what, like they, like they they have nothing bigger than the mountains or the sky or the ocean. Like that's, that's the biggest thing they can use to try and describe how great the attributes of God are. And so I just think it's, I think it's cool. Yeah. And then uh, we wanted to stop for a moment at uh, Psalm 69. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, imprecatory Psalm. Right. Um, so we've already kind of had some conversations about what, uh, what those le- look like. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll obviously, you know, you can share what, what stood out to you most in that Psalm, 
for me, there's this passage where uh, David is saying, uh, verse five and six, Oh God, you know my folly, the wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. So David, recognizing um, his position of authority within that community of believers, is asking God, like he's saying, don't, don't let the people of God be dishonored because of my own failings, because of my own sin, right? right? Understanding that because of this position of authority that he has, like he has a responsibility to, to worship God um, so that you know, the people's don't, their, their, their view of God does not diminish. Right. And so for those of us in, 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 in leadership, I think there's a, there's a lesson to take there. Yeah. I, I, you know, we were talking about this before and we were saying that's true with everyone, uh, <laughs> right? Like you fall and you bring shame on, on a number of people, but like you said, particularly in leadership, uh, the more you take on, the more true that becomes. Uh, I've thought about that, you know, before with, if I were to, to fall, uh, you know, it would bring disappointment on everyone who ever sat under me. Uh, it would bring shame on uh, Memorial. It would bring, I mean, to this uh, level, you know, the Gospel Coalition, uh, mm -hmm. because of the work we do with them. Um, and so there's, there are a number of things that, uh, that you know, my actions uh, have many ramifications. Yeah. And, and David gets that. I, I tell you what really stood out for me in that. Uh, in verse nine, it, it begins with uh, the zeal for your house has consumed me. Yeah. Now, I, I know when he says house, what he means is the people of Israel. Yeah. Right. Uh, and because even then, just like today, we like to say, you know, well, the church is the people and not the building. Right. right. We get that. Um, to be honest with you, perfectly honest with you, that gets used a lot. I don't think anyone ever thought it, the church was the building. Right. <laughs> I think we have always yeah. from the beginning of time, like that's, that's a, a correction that gets stated often that I don't think is a confusion. No. Uh, I don't think the church has ever assumed that the church was the building. Um, but at least uh, not in our, in our, not least not in our camp anyways, I think. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never heard that confusion. Uh, and, and so the, the idea that, that it is worded this way though, to specifically be the house just because we can't come together. Oh man. Yeah. I get you know, that. Just that. That zeal for the, the church is not the building. The church is the people, but that building is where we come together. Um, and so, so I miss that. And, and I, I got a, I've got a zeal for the house, the building, mm. uh, hmm. and, and what it represents for the gathering of the people, the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like what, you know, what I've seen kind of thrown around a lot is like, you know, well, it's okay because it's okay because it's not about the, the building, right? It's okay that we're, we're, we're not able to gather because the church isn't about the building. It's like, yeah, I know. But the, the, the word church, the, like the Greek word for church and even the Hebrew word, which then, you know, which is used kind of as it's brought over from Hebrew into Greek is in reference to a gathering of people. It's the assembly. Right. So the church is not the individual. Like I'm not a church unto myself. Neither right. are you. We are the churches. We come together. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's not about the building, but it is about the gathering. So we can right. grieve. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so we, uh, we are missing out because uh, like if we were all meeting at the park, 
then we wouldn't be grieving. Yeah, we'd um, have church. So we, but we do need yeah. the, uh, we do need the gathering. We miss that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's working our way through the Psalms. Let's get into the narrative because there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so really let's look at the flip side of David. Sure. Well, so let's, let's start with, so second Samuel nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so actually, no, um, no, we're getting, no, sorry. I got ahead of myself because second Samuel eight, we're talking about all of David's successful battles. Yes. And there's, there's, there's a, a number. There's a lot. Yeah. He's, he's getting it done. And he's getting it done. He's expanding the territory. Yep. People are dying in mass. Yeah. Uh, he's out fighting with them. He's not just uh, at home. No, no. And uh, yeah. And I think, and so what we were kind of talking about before we started recording, um, one of the things I've been doing in the midst of the quarantine is listening to this ancient history podcast. And, and it goes into great detail about what warfare was like in the ancient world. And it was much messier than anything, you know, we can remember. Um, just the idea of thousands of people meeting on a field, hand-to-hand combat, and when one side was beat, they were obliterated. Right. And, and, and when one people subjugated another, it was viciously done. Right. And we're, like, we don't, I mean, obviously, we, we don't need to get too graphic uh, I think the best word for it is just intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, the the exception to that might be archers, but at that point you're talking about a yards. Like you measure that distance in yards. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a it's a tough thing. It's an entirely other world. Um, I think I think it's worth like without getting graphic. I think it's worth pausing just to mention the brutality of it. Because for David to be leading these charges and participating in these charges, there's something very brutal that is very different from the David we... It's not different in that it's a different person, uh, but it it causes us to look at David's complexity, as we said earlier, in in a more sober kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I loved... I'm going to steal it because I, I thought it was so great. Your analogy in our earlier discussion, not analogy, but kind of comparison to, you know, modern day... You know, the guy who, you know, drives to an office and flies a drone via computer on the other side of the world and kills people by using that drone, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe even bad people like terrorists or whatever it might be, but has to kind of live with the idea of, wow, a guy took a life today, right? you know, from thousands of miles away. Well, this is David taking lives all over the place. And right. like you said, in a much more intimate way. And face how does that face. affect? Yeah, how does that affect your mind? Like, how does right. that affect your your heart and how you view other people and how you view yourself and how you view he, the dignity of human life? Like, there's, yeah, I think sometimes we we forget again with this kind of we look at David kind of as like you know shepherd boy, you know playing the harp or, or whatever it might be, and it's like this guy's seen some stuff. Um, yeah. He's done some stuff. And so he's a complex individual and we have to keep that in mind. And they're not going out alone. They're going out as, as a group, mm-hmm. uh, which would also magnify the camaraderie you have with these guys. Yeah. Uh, because they're there beside you. And when that guy literally jumps on your back, your buddy was there to pull him off. Yeah. Um, and, and if he falls, you fall. And 
everyone is is it, an army then would work very much as a single organism and everyone has to play their roles and uh and so it builds up that bond uh and that's probably why he recognized so greatly the three mm. and the 30 yeah which leads us into our next story not yet not yet no you don't want to go there okay Mephibosheth or we can we can we, we, we can do Mephibosheth sure I just felt like that was a good segue you know what no I you're right like that was good radio listen everyone everyone listening to this I apologize Tim had a great segue <laughs> and we're gonna go into we're gonna skip Mephibosheth and we're gonna come back to that at the end so second Samuel so so you're right so the camaraderie that the, the brotherhood that David would have had with his mighty men right and when we went through the list last week we mentioned one of them whose name is Uriah the Hittite. Mm-hmm. And he comes back into the story yeah. in 2 Samuel 10. Yeah. So why don't you set this up for us, Tim? Set, set the stage. All right. So uh, he decides to go for a walk um, along rooftops. And uh, while he's up there, uh, he sees someone uh, minding her own business. He had no business looking around. He did. And he says to his buddies, hey, who is that? Hmm. And they say, oh, don't you know? That's Uriah's wife. One of your 30. Hmm. One of the guys that stood beside you in battle. One of the guys that's been a part of this intimacy of battle. And lifted you up with such victories that he would be one of the 30. Hmm. And instead of saying, oh. I like that guy. I like that guy. He says, why don't you tell her to come here? Right. Hmm. Yeah. At that point, I I know that they can't talk back to the king. Hmm. At at that point, you'd have to wonder if you're one of those servants. Is it worth my life to say what? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and there's there's a lot of details that we can kind of miss if we just breeze through this thing. Oh, yeah. The first one, is David is not where he's supposed to be. And I don't mean that he's on the roof of his palace rather than on the main floor. I mean, he should be out with the army in battle. That's his job. Right. Right. Like the, the, the King of Israel, that was not a role like the president of the U S that was, that was general Patton. That was like, you're there. Like you're, you are, you are fighting right Mm -hmm. with, with your people. And David is, you know, taking a vacation, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and where get, was Uriah? Uriah was fighting battle, yeah, for him. For David, for him. yeah. And and this is what this is what David pulls. And you're right, yeah. No one really says anything. And there's and there, you know, there's all these people who are complicit in this. Obviously, David, as the king, you know, the 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 responsibility for what goes on rests in him. But all these other people are complicit in this, right? Like the the guys who went and fetched her. And then brought her back, and the people who are sending then mess. So then, okay. So then, what happens is she gets pregnant, right? Right. When David sleeps with her, and so David's like, "Hmm, got to think fast." Oh, well, what if I just get Uriah to come back and spend some time at home, and then no, none will be the wiser, right? Right. Right. I'll cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cover it up. So you know, he sends the message out. You know, Uriah comes back under the pretense that David wants to get an update on what's happening, mm-hmm. but really. David wants him to go home and be with his wife, but Uriah won't do that. 
No, because he loves David so much and he feels so much camaraderie for those brothers on the battlefield that he yeah. says, it's unfair that I would get, I came here on official business to talk to you, David, and I'm going to sit out at the gate and I'm going <laughs> to sleep outside at the gate because yeah. my men are sleeping outside right now. Yeah. And this is what we're doing for you. And this is what we're doing for each other. And yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take a luxury that my brothers can't take. Yeah. Yeah. And so David's like, David says, Oh, dang. Well, maybe I'll get you drunk instead. So then David, David, you know, invites Uriah to feast with him, gets him, gets him tipsy and then essentially figures, okay, well now surely, you know, surely now Uriah's resolve will be weakened and it's not. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't matter matter how, how much he drinks. He know, he knows what's right and what's wrong. He's not, he's not going to do it. And, and you so, can even argue this is, not a, this is not a moral issue of right or wrong. This is just personal conviction. Actually, you're right. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably, yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's just honor. It's just being honorable to, to the nth degree. I just, right. Yeah. So, so then, you know, David, because of the righteousness and the honor of Uriah is then forced to get even, like resort to even more evil means. Mm-hmm. To, to put this thing to bed and devises this plan uh, to kill Uriah on the battlefield. Right and now. And now what we have to understand, because I, I know every, most people kind of know how this story goes mm-hmm. in order to kill Uriah on the battlefield. He looks at all of that band of brothers that have been working and fighting together that he is normally with and tells them to do the job. Yeah you invoke a bad plan and then pull back so that Uriah falls. Yeah. And so this, this brotherhood puts to death their brother mm-hmm. because David just can't face his sin. Yeah. Yeah. Like the army, the army loses a battle because they intentionally apply a faulty strategy also that David can cover up his affair. Yeah. And we're talking about an intimate battle troop. Yeah. Fighting an intimate war. Mm -hmm. That is one of their stars. Yeah. And all to cover things up, they send the letter. David's response is don't let this grieve you. Go ahead and take the city. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. It's so it's just brutal. Yeah. Well, thankfully, somebody says something about oh, yeah. this nonsense. Story time with Nathan. Nathan shows up. Yeah. Yeah. He tells this <laughs> wonderful story, right? About about a, a rich let's, man. And let's just and say a, hypothetically. <laughs> yeah. Let's say theoretically. And you know, and it's so funny because, you know, Nathan lays out this story about this rich man who takes the one beloved little lamb of this poor man. And it, it lives in his house. He treats yeah, it like a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And takes it for himself so he can eat it, even though he's got, you know, plenty of flocks of sheep that he could. Right. And this, I mean, and how David doesn't see that this is about him is just almost comical. Yeah, I would say so. And he's furious. He's like, this man deserves to die. 
Like mm-hmm. at least he needs to pay this person back fourfold. Like what is up with this person? And then we get this great, this great uh, line from Nathan, which is often taken out of context. You are the man. Right. If ever there was a, if ever there was a, a verse in scripture that made a great point for why you don't take verses out of their context, it's that one right there. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like to just to be for the prophet to say, you're the man. Yeah. No, no, this yeah. is, uh, this is condemnation. Yeah. 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 He says, y- you have killed Uriah by the, by the sword of the Ammonite. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't your hand, David, but you're the one you murdered him. Yeah. And, and, and now, and now because of this decision, he says, the sword shall not depart from your house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and the boy and, will die and the boy will, and the boy dies. Right. And David, David fasts and prays and doesn't change anything. He mourns. It, it seems like he's mourning. It seems to me like he's mourning for the suffering of the boy more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, because once the boy's suffering is over and he's dead, he goes back to life, which kind of blows everyone's minds. They're like, no, this is when you're supposed to be fasting and mourning. Why, why are you all of a sudden okay? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. David says, can I bring him back again? I'll, I'll go to him, but he won't return to me. Right. I, he's like, I, I'm not going to get that child back in this life. I will meet him in the next, mm-hmm. um, which is a, you know, a beautiful picture in that sense. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's such a, such a mess that David has kicked off here. It is. We just see the, de- the depravity, right. The depravity of the Lord's, anointed in this case right this mm-hmm. is god's man for the job this is you know and, and still such deep failings right this yeah. is why this is why we need jesus because even the best of us are so broken yeah and and, and i would say in a very stratfordian way uh what a tangle web we leave when first <laughs> practice to deceive right yeah uh, it just gets messy uh mm-hmm. so uh, let's talk highlights. Let's, so you can go back and we can talk about uh, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, one of the most difficult names to pronounce and write in the Bible. My kids uh, are reading through the Bible right now and, and they've gotten to Zerubbabel. Oh, that's a good they, one they too. They can't get over that one, yeah. Zerubbabel. Uh, yeah, no, Mephibosheth. Um, okay, so Mephibosheth is the grandson of Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the son of Jonathan, one of the last, if not the last kind of remaining survivor of the line of Saul. And he's crippled and he's essentially been in hiding with one of the servants, um, you know, since all this whole kind of exchange of power has happened from one, you know, one family line, one dynasty to another. Mm-hmm. And David is seeking, seeks out Mephibosheth um, and brings him to himself and he gives him the the lands that belong to his family. He gives him wealth. He has him live with him at the palace and eat at his own table with him as a family member, essentially, for yeah. the rest of his life. And, and what's so interesting, what people need to understand is what was kind of par for the course in that day was if if you were a king 
and you, your family, your, you know, your new dynasty had replaced an older one, you exterminated everyone who was associated with the former king. You did not want any opportunity for, you know, a potential rival to arise from the former king's line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something you see in almost every society across a huge swath of human history. But David does exactly the opposite, and he honors him. And so the reason this is a highlight for me is because when you break this down, there's, this is a, a wonderful illustration of God's grace towards us. Mm-hmm. We are spiritually crippled and unable to serve God the way that we ought to. Not only that, but being born in sin, we have this kind of inherited enmity with God like based on our parentage, right? Right. Like he, he ought to destroy us. And yet God goes out and gets us, brings us to him and blesses, sits us at his table. And again, just like David did all this, Mephibosheth himself didn't really do anything, but, but, but David had this, this love and this relationship, this almost covenantal relationship with Jonathan. And so out of the love and the faithfulness he had to Jonathan did this for Mephibosheth. And just like, like within the kind of triune God had this like eternal covenant that existed between them to redeem humanity, like based on God's faithfulness and love for Christ, we have been brought in. And so it's just like, there's just like parallel upon parallel. And it's, I think David's high, like the high point of his kingship in my, in my view um, just such a gracious and wonderful thing for him to have done. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and for me that my highlight comes out of the story of David and Bathsheba. Hmm. Uh, the, the thing that we talked about at the very beginning from Psalm 25 is David understands what it means to repent, right? He's not perfect, but he understands his need for God. And he understands what it means to come before God and to own his sin and say, this is on me. And I'm sorry. And he repents and cries out to God in that. Uh, And after he faces the consequences of his sin, because God does chastise those whom he loves. uh, After he faces those consequences of his sin, God gives him Solomon, the promised son who would build the temple that in last week's reading, David was so excited about, right? So in, in all of the inconsistency that we've seen in David today, we see the consistency of God. Right. Right? David, David is all over the place from extreme to extreme. But God is right there keeping pace. Whatever David throws at him, it doesn't change his promise. It doesn't change his plan. God just keeps moving. Uh, he gives him Solomon uh, through Bathsheba. And, uh, and it continues on. I, I mean, he's not out of the woods, right? He, the sword still coming to him from his own family, as uh, Nathan tells him, is going to be first part of next week's reading. Uh, but just the, you know, the, the consequences come, but uh, haven't forgotten the blessings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where David's character is full of these contrasts, God's character is consistent. And I just, uh, yeah. That's just wonderful to remember. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a 
production. <laughs> I don't have my nose in front of me. Of Memorial Baptist Church and produced by Alex Walker. Have a good week. See you later, everybody.